<laughs> well, yeah, considering it'd be amazing if you could because it's like 24 hours long or something like that. Well, I, I know he had like 11 or 12 parts to it. Uh, yeah, was... like initially, but then it was like extended to oh, like, Jesus, I, I don't really? know. Oh, my God. Yeah, why? yeah. There's like a million chapters now. Why? Let's see. <laughs> As much as R. Kelly sucks, like, it's absolutely amazing. Have you ever seen it? <laughs> like, once or twice. Not the full, like, thing. Oh uh, I remember, like, Fuse yeah. did a takeover before they realized just how fucking awful of a person he was. <laughs> yeah, he, um, I think the IFC used to show it or something like that, and they just show them all in a row, and, like, Sarah and I got sucked in. This was, like, I don't know, let's see, it came out in 05, so it was definitely, it was definitely way after that, but, mm-hmm. um, let me see... Trapped in the Closet is an opera by American R&B singer R. Kelly, which currently consists of 33 chapters. Oh, no. Why? Why, though? <laughs> it's a little over two hours long. Ninety-one. The first, the first 22 chapters are 91 minutes, and then the next installment is 42 minutes. Jesus Christ. No thanks. <laughs> no thanks. <laughs> it's absolutely... I mean, it, it, every chapter ends in such an amazing cliffhanger, and then when it starts immediately, you're like, might as well just see what happens. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, it's absolutely amazing. Just one of those things. It's just one of those things. Just one of those things. Wait, I thought it was just one of those days. It is. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> that I'm was just not up the, on my new metal. I was like, my whole life's been a lie. That that was the joke. Uh, all right, we better get going because I got a, I got a kid I got to put to bed and then another kid coming over for a play day with the other kid. Oh, nice. So we should probably get started. Nice. And uh, the, the whole like starting an hour later than we had originally anticipated because, <laughs> you, you know, how dare equipment uh, in our studio work properly? I know, right? Yeah, like, y- what are they spending all that money on yeah, you know, that they're saving? Y- you know, like <laughs> the, the uh, company that proclaims to be number one for podcasts can't have equipment that works for recording podcasts <laughs> yep yeah like you're saving so much money but what are you spending it on yeah i'll say not uh, the equipment we, we are we are not owned by that company but we are available on that app so uh that, yeah, yeah. i think that's all that we should say <laughs> i can't believe we got snubbed at the awards oh man i can't believe total it. snub <laughs> yeah, complete I, and total snubbage. I, I also can't believe that there was a, an original podcast by this platform nominated for every category. What a coincidence. <laughs> I know, I know. Jesus. It'd be like if uh, like Netflix bought the Academy or something like that I, and was I like, made, all Netflix movies. <laughs> I made that exact metaphor last night. I'm like, man, this oh, really? is... A, yeah, I'm like, <laughs> man, I don't like this. It's like if Netflix presented the Oscars. <laughs> yeah that's uh that's totally- <laughs> as uh fr- a couple of friends and i were going to see one of the nominated podcasts do a live taping oh yeah which one was that uh we went to see doughboys in cleveland oh cool it, it was a it was a really fun show actually i I, oh, I, I, bet. I wasn't sure like how a fast food review uh podcast was gonna be live but it was really fun awesome yeah i mean they're all basically just kind of you know a good podcast are kind of like stand up anyway so you yeah. know, just watch them do their thing yeah on pretty the much stage and there you go yeah <laughs> oh man okay so we should probably get into it did, did we did we have any homework uh from last week going into this week? oh wait welcome to no hugging no learning oh it's the show about one thing watching seinfeld <laughs> for the first time i'm tim murphy and i'm ted hollowell <laughs> and to answer your question yes we did have a little bit of homework thankfully not as much as last time when oh, i was going through and editing the episode like <laughs> if without all of our homework and stuff like that from last week the episode would have been like 40 minutes long 
Like yeah. maybe even less. Yeah. Oh. I, it was just, I guess, a, a crazy action-packed episode rather than dialogue-heavy. I don't know. Well, I, I think we should also mention that when you were editing the episode, that was also after my edit of the episode. <laughs> Tim, the raw yeah, yeah. version of that podcast was an hour and 48 minutes long. And granted, that's with like pauses in it too, but oh my god, I, I probably edited 45 minutes out of that thing. <laughs> yeah, I'm not surprised because I mean we we kept getting disconnected through our uh, connection, and um, I would I would imagine that was the most most of what you had to edit out because they were yes. like you know a little five or ten minute maybe not ten minute but definitely you know as much as five minutes here and there trying to reconnect and mm-hmm. stuff like that. Yeah, and and I mean there, yeah. there was there was a few like actual lines of dialogue I cut out. Most of it was like me just repeating the exact same thing that you had just said, and then you reiterating yeah. me repeating you by repeating <laughs> it again, and then me just kind of getting confused by where we were at. Oh, <laughs> um, which yeah, happen- that, uh, happens it, a it lot was... more than you would think it does. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so, uh, but we did have some homework, and it was basically all about baked goods. Uh, first, we wanted to know about uh, babka because in the last episode, the dinner party, uh, Elaine and Jerry are after a chocolate babka from the Royal Bakery, and babka is a sweet braided bread or cake. So Ooh. they describe it both ways. You and I were both kind of like, what is it? Is it a cake? Is it a bread? And I guess you can sort of see it as e- either way. Okay. Um, depending on how, I guess, whether it's a, I'm guessing that comes down to shape. You could have like a loaf. And like a long one, you'd be like, oh, that's bread. Mm-hmm. Or you can kind of make it in a circular shape and go, oh, that looks like a cake. And uh, that's, that's just kind of my guess. But that, so babka is of Jewish origin, popular in the U.S. and Israel um, and other places that have a large Jewish population. And okay. it's filled with a variety of sweet fillings like chocolate or cinnamon sugar or apples, Nutella, sweet cheese, topped with sugar syrup in order to preserve freshness and make the cake more moist. And often topped with a streusel topping, Ooh. especially by Jewish people in the northeastern United States. It has been called New York City's most iconic dessert. Oh, man. Okay. This um, yeah. this sounds a it, lot like, are you familiar with monkey bread? Yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it sounds a lot like monkey bread. Yeah, I would imagine that's that's probably a pretty close comparison. And the other day I was in well, oh, Whole Foods and... Um, I saw a braided bread, and I was like, oh, look, babka, but it was labeled as brioche. So I would imagine if you find a nice braided brioche, you you might uh, have stumbled upon something very similar to babka. Okay, okay. I'm guessing, I'm guessing. Just because I was looking at the pictures of Bob online and it looks similar. And, and so, um, yeah, just that kind of like very rich, uh, you know, sometimes flaky kind of kind of breadish, cakeish bread. Mm-hmm. Uh, but here's the thing. We are leaving a decade where the Bobka's popularity increased dramatically across the U.S. It says, uh, according to Wikipedia, beginning in the 2010s, there was a Israeli bakery from Tel Aviv owned by acclaimed Israeli baker Uri Sheft called Bread's Bakery. They opened a location and started to sell their Israeli-style babka, and other versions such as Russ and Daughters in New York and Wise Sons in San Francisco helped the babka become a trendy baked good and very popular on Instagram as well. So if you search the hot, hashtag babka, you're going to find, yeah, that the, the babka was enjoying a little bit of a resurgence last decade. Oh, that's awesome. I, I had no idea. Yeah, me neither. Yeah, it, was, it became like all trendy again. And, and people even started making like savory babkas and, and stuff like that. So there is uh, that. And then the, we also want to know about the black and white cookie. Yes. Uh, which is also called the half and half cookie or the half moon cookie. 
It's a round cookie iced or frosted on one half with vanilla and the other half with chocolate. Jerry uses the cookie to theorize about racial harmony in the dinner party. And this is basically the origin of the black and white cookie in New York City is commonly cr- traced to Glazer's Bake Shop owned by Nikki Glazer. No, I'm just kidding. But it's kind of spelled <laughs> the same way, I think. G-L-A-S-E-R. Uh, founded in 1902 by Bavarian immigrants in the Yorkville neighborhood of Manhattan. And so the black and white cookie has German origin. Oh, okay. So straight up. Yeah, okay. Straight up Bavarian or German origin. Yeah, yeah. I know, uh, uh, I know, neither, I yeah. know neither one of us was really sure, uh, but... Uh, I, I know I thought the black and white cookie had a Jewish origin, but I also wasn't sh- I, I wasn't aware that the babka did have a Jewish origin. I, I, I figured it was mm-hmm. I, I know that we had kind of theorized that it was something Eastern European, but I didn't know that it was specifically yeah. Jewish. Yeah, yeah. That's kind of um, cool. And the babka, it's funny, in, in Germany, I mean, I'm sorry, the black and white cookie, in Germany, they call it an Americaner. Oh, they call it a what? Americaner? Yeah, Americaner. Okay. Like, so basically, you're, you're calling the cookie, you know, an, an American cookie, but oh, it's of German okay. origin. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I don't know why. That's really weird. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then the only other thing I have from the other episode is the uh, of, of the dinner party. At the very end, there's a Saddam Hussein lookalike, and we were remarking that the... Uh, the ADR was just atrocious. <laughs> we didn't know what kind of accent the dude was supposed to have. Uh, George says British at the end of the episode, but we're like, I, I was like, that was not British. It was mumble. It was mumblecore, if anything. Um, <laughs> and the Saddam Hussein lookalike cast for the episode was Amjad J. Kaysen with okay. a Q. I, I'm only assuming that's how you pronounce it. He couldn't speak intelligibly enough for television production purposes, so the voice of Hussein was added in post-production by constant post-production voiceover Seinfeld contributor Larry David. What? That was Larry David? Yeah. Oh, my God. That's Larry God. David's uncredited voice. Anytime you need a you know loops dialogue, anytime you need post-production dialogue, they always went to Larry David, it seems like. All right, Larry, this week we need you to be Saddam Hussein. Okay. Uh. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, so I don't know why he decided to deliver it that way, and that's the one they went with. You'll catch your death of cold, whatever it was. Oh, my God. Um, but it was, it was definitely Larry <laughs> Dave. So, <laughs> yeah. So that's all I got. All right. Uh, did you have any more, like, newsworthy bits or anything? I don't think so. Okay. I, I, I did have one thing I wanted to give a shout-out to someone who tweeted into us. Oh, we actually got a couple of tweets. Uh, One from Brent and Liberty from the Idiotville podcast, who uh, was replying to one of uh, his other co-hosts from Idiotville, who got like a couple of stickers from another podcast. And he's like, (laughs) I want that sticker almost as much as the one I want from No Hugging, No Learning. Uh, They're coming, okay? I I promise. Eventually. Uh, Jay in Orlando, a longtime fan, uh, says, just catching up. Great stuff. Surprise, you guys didn't talk a little bit more about Jay. Jamie Gertz. Uh, she's been in a ton of stuff and is now part owner of the Atlanta Hawks. And uh, if you're listening to this chronologically, this is going to be super confusing because Jay in Orlando was replying <laughs> to the episode that we posted two weeks ago. Uh, but we actually did go into a little bit of a deeper dive, not a deep dive on Jamie Gertz, but uh, we did give her a little bit more uh, just do. In last week's episode, uh, the, the one that is, mm-hmm. a, as we're recording this, coming out today. <laughs> and <laughs> yeah, then yeah. Uh, Megan 
uh, tweeted into us. I started listening back when you started and fell off during season two through no fault of you guys. Uh, I picked it up this week again and just finished season three. I absolutely love you guys and your chemistry. I actually had a class with Ted back at Gannon. And yes, Megan, I remember you. Uh, freshman oh. year, college composition with Sister Dietz and... Oh, hey. oh boy! I I was trying to like write papers about Spider Man, and it, it was not not good. <laughs> I, I, I'm not a good writer. I, I'm not a good writer. But really th- surprising, right? <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, but, no, I don't know. I mean, it just seems. I guess I've never considered it before. But it seems like you you have to write a lot of stuff for the job that we do. You know. Uh, I don't necessarily have to write a lot. It, I, a lot of it is just kind of like thinking on my feet and just improving. Uh, yeah. Although I would yeah. also say I'm shit at improv. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I'm thinking of like social media stuff too, you know, I mean, even though it's only, but maybe when, you, even when I, you're dealing with a, uh, a medium where brevity is key, like sometimes, you know, I don't know. I guess yeah, I just I, see that I, I'm, as I'm a mu- skill as well. I'm much better at like uh, customer service and writing things that have a limit of 500 characters. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hey, that's still a skill. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. But, yes, Megan, welcome back. Thank you again for listening. She uh, also yeah. uh, quote tweeted our tweet and says that she's interested to hear what happens whenever you move away. Oh, me too. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no, yeah, God. that's that's exciting. <laughs> I, I don't remember... I don't remember what episode it was. It was it right after our uh, mini life change hiatus or whatever we called it. Yeah, well, I mean that's when I was moving, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, it, it was like right, but I, right as you were moving, and right as I was getting married. I think it was like right, right, right around right. the same time. Yeah, definitely. Oh man. Okay. Uh, any anything else for top of show? No. Okay, if you are joining Megan and just listening to us for the first time, maybe uh, completely for the first time or for the first time in a while, we are not a research-heavy show. Uh, Just don't listen to last week's episode if you want to believe that to be a fact. Uh, But we like to assign our uh, our research to us the week after as though we are assigning homework to ourselves. Uh, If we miss something uh, whenever we're going over the episode for the first time, reach out to us. If we we skip over something, if we egregiously miss something, send us a tweet, send us an email, at no hugging or no hugging no learning show at gmail.com both of those links are either in the episode description or on the show description on apple podcasts speaking of apple podcasts if you like what you hear please give us a five-star rating and a written review on apple podcast and we will send you a no hugging no learning sticker once we get those made those do not exist yet uh but we are accepting feedback on what kind of sticker you would like whether that is a cutout sticker whether that is a square sticker whether that's something different entirely send us an email let us know what you think that being said season five episode 14 the marine biologist original air date february 10th 1994 i was one year one month and 21 days old and if you're looking in tv guide that night you're gonna see George poses as a marine biologist, guest Carol Kane. I feel like I've read that description five times by now. (laughs) I think that's about right. I think that's about right. Um, Yeah, and now I don't know how I feel about it having, uh, you know, we'll do that at the end, but I don't know how I feel Uh about it. We start with a stand-up bit as usual. It's not about whales as it was two episodes ago (laughs) to open the show, but at least it has something to do with the content of the episode. It does. Uh, Jerry talking about watching nature shows and how you can relate to them 
uh, you know, like uh, watching something about the African dung beetle and going, well, his life isn't too different from mine. And then how you root for the animals, depending on what the special is about that week. Like if it's about an antelope, you hope the antelope gets away from the lion. And the next week when it's about the lion, you hope the lion gets the antelope. And I really liked, it's rare that we get profanity on, on Seinfeld, especially at the top of the show. But I love the line where he's like, you know, next week it's about the lion. You're like, Ron, get him, bite his ass. <laughs> I thought that was hilarious. Bite his ass was just, just so funny. I mean, you know, I always talk about how, you know, Seinfeld is Mr. Word Economy and like a word's not in his act unless it, you know, he'll, he'll yeah, cut out yeah. anything he can. If he can get a five word joke down to three words, he will do it. Um, <laughs> but so the fact that he chose those words is just like, just so perfect. He, I just loved it. Bite he, his ass. He chose the words, bite his ass. yeah yeah get him bite his ass uh i I thought it was yeah and and like also you know seinfeld's he's not a dirty comedian certainly but you know he's not always clean as we know Mm -hmm. but um i so i feel like he doesn't deal in profanity a lot just to get a laugh but this was a perfect use of profanity it's just so you know it's just it wasn't it wasn't egregious it wasn't over the top it like it was necessary and funny so i i I liked it for that reason too we open in jerry's apartment elaine is there with him and he's talking about a t-shirt that he's had for six years which are rookie numbers oh my god that's nothing like I, I've got, oh my, oh. I, I've got a, a really awesome Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt, original from WWFShopZone.com from 1997. Jerry, step your fucking game up. <laughs> have you owned it since '97? Yes, I have. That's amazing. See, yeah, I, I told, I have shirts. I don't buy new clothes. I have shirts that I bought freshman year of high school, like '95, '96, '97. Same as your Steve Austin shirt. <laughs> That I still wear to this day. Yeah. Like, I have plenty of clothes <laughs> that I got for Christmas in the 90s that I still wear. I, like, yeah, most of my t-shirts I had in high school, you know, or at least college. Uh-huh. <laughs> Six years. <laughs> Get out of here. That's nothing. The, though, although, I will give Jerry credit. He does wash it with every other article of clothing he has and he wears it it's the first thing he wears after he washes all the laundry i don't regularly wear my stone cold steve austin shirt i I will i will admit (laughs) that it it is hanging up i probably haven't worn it in like a year maybe a year and a half uh but it is it's preserved right now i think i've talked about my you know uh, issues with delayed gratification before on the podcast like for instance my you know my mom always had to throw out some of my Halloween candy the next Halloween because I would just like savor, you know, I wanted it to, I wanted it to still be there. Right? And, and it would always be like my favorite ones too. Cause I could never eat them first. <laughs> I wanted to save them for like a special occasion or something. And so certainly I have the, like my favorite shirts when I wash them, I do not wear them again until my hamper is full because I don't want to be apart from them for too long. I'm like, oh, yeah. I can wear this now because it's going to be clean again very soon. But then <laughs> I'm not going to wear it first out of the laundry. I'm going to wear it last out of the laundry yeah. because I want it back again as soon as possible. <laughs> you know, it's, it's a really weird thing that way. So um, and, and it seems like, you know, Jerry go, drops his laundry off at a laundry service, uh, I guess. It seems like it, he dries his shirts, too. That's something I've. I don't do it with my T-shirts. I, I I put them up on a line every time. Really? I that's a that's a very smart idea and something that I should probably do for like my shirts. And I, I know a while back I stopped drying my jeans uh, with high heat. I I just tumble dry them yeah. like the lowest heat setting that I can get because look I'm, I'm not in high school anymore. I I don't need like uh, airtight jeans on my thighs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now I'm I'm so worried about shrinking in the dryer and yeah, I've even like I'll 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 let him 
you know, jump around in the dryer for a little bit just to get the wrinkles from the washing machine out. Yeah. But then I hang them up. And I've started doing that with my jeans as well. You know, I'll take them out and when they're just kind of like a little damp and let them dry the rest of the way as well. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I think that has led to the lot of the longevity of my of my T-shirt collection uh, <laughs> is, is that. But, you know, Golden Boy is uh, nearing the end. His collar, the collar is fraying, and uh, Jerry's explaining this to Elaine. And spoiler alert, this only serve. this will not come back up until the very end. It only serves as a bookend for some reason to this episode. It, it really is just kind of one of those funny conversations that, that they always have. It, it, but it lasted a little bit longer than that, so I had a, I thought it was going to pay off a little bit better, but it, uh, it really, it I don't didn't. know if it really does. It, but it, it really didn't. It's just a long wait for a okay joke yeah is what it really is going to come down to but we'll get there uh, elaine is on the phone and she is getting some very exciting news she hangs up and tells jerry that yuri testikov the russian writer <laughs> is coming to new york pendant publishing is going to be handling his next book and elaine gets to work with him she and lipman her boss are going to pick him up in a limo very soon i think uh, you know this week later this week and you know elaine says it's like working with tolstoy you know she's very excited about about this writer, which mm-hmm. is something I've never been excited about an author. <laughs> yeah, really. Uh, d- did you notice we get a we get a few really good Elaine shoves in this episode? The, the first one right yeah. here when Jerry asks her if for good luck if she wants Golden Boy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was very funny. Oh, do you want Golden Boy for good luck? Yeah, <laughs> uh, that that was hilarious. And then you know, also she shoves him here when Jerry says, you know, it's kind of funny that the original title of War and Peace. <laughs> was war what is it good for and elaine's like shut <laughs> up you know it's just a dumb what a dumb joke but then jerry like doubles down he's like and, no and he's I'm like serious. no no I, it's for real <laughs> yeah his mistress is the one that didn't like it and made him change it uh and she's like but there's that song that's the line from that song and jerry's like yeah the song got it from that <laughs> and elaine is now sort of like jerry is so good at this he's like elaine's now buying it. he's like i'm not joking like he tells her like straight up i'm not joking uh, and so George then walks in and he just says, you can't handle the truth for some reason and does a little salute. And then he says it, I think one or two more times, like I'm working on my Nicholson, uh, which by the way, I was like, Oh, a few good men must've come out. We've seen them reference like, you know, pop culture in this way during the show, just to sort of like, it, it makes it of its time, but also, yeah. you know, they've, but a few good men came out in 92. This episode was from 94. <laughs> Uh, who knows so, maybe, like the, for instance the 94 oscars were coming on and they, those celebrate the films of 93 so yeah. this is already like two oscar cycles away from a few good men or maybe uh would this have been like towards the cycle where a few good men would have been on cable w- would george have maybe have seen it on like cable television it's entirely possible like if his parents had hbo or something at the time <laughs> i would venture to say but i don't know his parents seem so cheap i don't think they would have hbo oh no i'm thinking like like tnt or tbs superstation <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's entirely possible yeah maybe yeah two years that's probably yeah that might be about right i don't know i don't know what the uh you know home viewing cycle was like back in the day we've certainly sped it up you know i mean like oh, for sure for instance I, uh, I was i was just noticing that uh, it, what uh, uh, colleen and i saw toy story 4 mm-hmm. in the theater and that wasn't too long ago and it's already coming on disney plus i i think disney plus is a different situation though because like wh- whenever Whenever it's airing as like the Friday night family movie on ABC, that's when that's when you want to pay attention to it. I know the cycle used to be thirty months, so two and a half years 
uh, wow. from leaving wow. from leaving theaters to cable television or or like a network premiere, really. It, but it, yeah, yeah. it couldn't air on television for thirty months. Jeez. Yeah, yeah. Well, it, I mean, to to that effect, um, I was surprised to see the Last Jedi already on Freeform the other day. I was yeah. like, I mean, that's been. I guess that's been about you know it, two years. I forget when it when it came out. Uh, was that was that eight or was that seven? Yeah, I think. I want to say it was eight, but I know that uh, the Force Awakens was seven. So, okay, so yeah, yeah. Okay, last wow. Jedi. The last no, the, never mind. The last Jedi was twenty seventeen. Oh yeah, so I that, guess um, two years then. I guess they they, they might have shortened it to two yeah. years. Yeah, and the Force Awakens was twenty fifteen. Okay. Yeah, I don't know. It just seemed kind of just seemed kind of quick to me for it to already be on. You know, I, like because I understand it, it it jumped to Netflix pretty quickly, but um, it just seems to me like especially with streaming services, movies are popping up on on things like Netflix and uh, and Amazon Prime and and Disney Plus like pretty quick. Mm-hmm. You know, like they and they still have a Blu Ray release. You know. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, they and then a couple months later, that's how so. they're making a lot of their money is from from the physical media. Yeah, but if you can just hold out for another month or two, you'll have <laughs> you'll have no problem watching it for free on whatever you're already paying for, quote unquote free. You know, it yeah. feels free, doesn't it? Whenever I watch something on Disney Plus, I'm like, oh, it's free, and like, oh no, you already paid for this a long time ago. <laughs> <laughs> we already have your money. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. George grabbed his mail before uh, leaving his house because his mom always opens it. And they have, again, this is, this is another conversation that doesn't pay off. Yeah. Um, I, looking back on it now, it just goes guess, nowhere, does it? Yeah. Yeah. yeah it does, like, it, it is just another just funny conversation about their lives. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, I mean, hey, it's a show about nothing. You know, what do we want? <laughs> you know? Uh, and I guess it's just been a while since we've had, you know, very a very obvious conversations about nothing. Very obviously, this is about nothing. That's the true. shirt, the I, mail. I, I you guess know, it, just... it does kind of set up to uh, why Jerry and George and Elaine are talking about, like, college and, like, what George did after college. Yeah. So uh, I guess it does set that up, but it, not... Yeah, I mean, they needed to... They needed the alumni magazine to appear in the in the scene, and yeah. so that's why. But you know, but but they but he did. He could have said, "Oh, I grabbed my mail on the way out." And, yeah. But there was no reason, you know, to get into his mom opening it. Just just besides being funny, that's you know, true. he's seen his mom. Uh, I, but it was funny when he was like, you know, you, you've caught your mom opening your mail, and uh, he's like, "Yes." And Jerry just can't believe this, and and he's like, "Isn't that illegal?" And George is like, "Maybe I can get her locked up." <laughs> and, and then doesn't George do uh, like uh, an impression of his mom? Like J- Jerry's like, "Well, what did she say?" And George is like, "I was curious." Yeah, I was curious. <laughs> the Queens College Alumni Magazine has popped up, and Jerry has a little blurb in there about. Um, and, and I love this is so like uh, alumni magazine writing. It's like, <laughs> and he had a pilot for NBC, which did not get picked up. It's how they ended. <laughs> <laughs> and like it, it pumps him. He's been on the Tonight Show and blah 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 and this and and he had a pilot with NBC that did not get picked up. Like, I, I hope <laughs> there's just some journalism student that had to write this. I hope that whenever I get like a blurb about me in the Gannon magazine, I'll have been like, uh, I, I don't know, I'll have like definitely flamed out in my radio career by then. So it's like, yeah, he, he was de- he was definitely like the hot prospect in radio for the first three years after graduating. <laughs> And, and and that that's how they end it. And we're like, well, what happened to him after that? Yeah. No one knows. That's why I really wanted to like my um, high school reunion was over the summer, my twenty year high school reunion, <laughs> and um, I really wanted to go down because I knew I was leaving my current job as a morning radio guy, and and I didn't have anything else lined up. Uh-huh. So I wanted to go to that while I still was in morning radio to tell people 
A, that I had a job, but B, that it was in it doing morning radio because I thought it was a cool job to tell people about. I mean, it, it is just not to blow our own horns or anything, but um, I thought, you know, but if but if it had been like a few months later, I would have been like, well, I was in morning radio, but I'm not anymore. But then I am once again. So yeah. I mean, you only had what, five, six weeks of downtime? And it's not like yeah, it's not that, like you, yeah, something like that. It's not like you left without any leads. It just took them a while to get back to you. <laughs> yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah, I, I wasn't. Uh, sir, I certainly was not counting my chickens. But uh, <laughs> but yeah, I was. I was. I was hoping that they were there, my chickens. Um, but so uh, Elaine leaves and runs into Kramer in the hallway, and he's carrying golf clubs uh, in a very funny way. I mean, this is some great. He's making up for his perceived you know his his admitted lack of physical humor in the um mimbo episode with the golf clubs here i mean they're just spilling all over the place he bumps into elaine with them and stuff like that and then he gives elaine an electronic organizer that he got from his bank for opening a new account and she and, and these ted i gotta tell you they were the rage in 94 were as they really you, and they were like oh yeah i mean they all had like uh, they had a full keyboard i mean they were the size of what you see they could fit in your palm uh-huh. and like but they had like a very tiny like calculator size screen and <laughs> you know you could input numbers and stuff like that like but i just remember like everybody needing one of these things my, like my mom had one i just remember i think there was a game on hers and you could play the game and she just like kept it in the desk and but i mean like these were these were like so hot back in 94 <laughs> oh my god and then back in the apartment george uh, is talking about you know watching a whale show on TV last night and being very impressed with it about you know how they uh, how they talk and things like that again something that would have tied into the stand up bit from a couple episodes ago uh, and then Kramer comes in and I think this is really hilarious too he's like who wants to have some fun which I I've, <laughs> and then I've yeah. definitely seen this before like I think this is in the clip package that Hulu was airing whenever like they first got the rights to the show I think. Oh yeah, it's a great opener for a for a, a commercial about Seinfeld. <laughs> um, but I also like Jerry and George's very childlike, like jo- Jerry especially. Like I do, you know, he's like in immediately, and George is kind of like, well, okay. And then you know, he's like, now do you really want it? Kramer says, do you really want to have some fun, or are you just saying you want to have some fun? And Jerry again is like, I really want to have some fun, and and George is like, I'm just saying I want to have fun. <laughs> And Kramer's huge fun idea is to go to Rockaway Beach and hit golf balls into the ocean. And he's giddy. I mean, he is like just brimming with excitement about this idea. And Jerry and George just kind of, again, nonchalantly go, hey, you want to grab lunch? Yeah, let's go. Let's <laughs> yeah, go grab he, Like, they don't even tell him no. Yeah. They just ignore him. He says he's got uh, 600 Titleists in in the <laughs> trunk of his car, which, A, I, I never knew, like, the proper pronunciation of the word Titleist. Uh, but also, 600 yeah. golf balls seems like a lot. I, where? Where did he get 600 golf balls? <laughs> and why are they in the trunk of his he car? He said he got them from the driving range. Did he just steal them off the driving range? I think they they either give away or sell, you know, because driving, driving range balls get the crap kicked out of them just on a daily basis, and so they don't <laughs> last as long as... And I think you can go... I remember one time for, again, a, a zany morning radio bit. This is great if there's anyone listening in, in morning radio. I love this bit. It's hilarious. We would send our intern out with 80 golf balls to a local laundromat and 
we would do laundromat lotto. And anytime there was a big lottery, she would put the 80 golf balls in the dryer oh and then spin it around. It made, it made a horrendous noise, probably damaged the inside of any dryer that we sent her to, but she didn't care. Uh, and, and we never got, and we never got caught neither. And, uh, and then, you know, we, we tell her to stop the dryer and take out one of the balls and then read it and then start it back up and then, and then read the next one. And, and, uh, it just makes a great, great audio. <laughs> and I bought the balls from a driving range. I don't know. Yeah, I got like 80 golf balls from a driving range. And they're very, you know, they're ch- as cheap as you can imagine, like, you know, one to five cents a piece. If, if that. Oh, man, that's not bad at all. Yeah. No, no. And so, you know, 600 of them, they might have just been giving them out. You know, they're, they're not going to be the they're going to be the used balls. How did you think Titleist was pronounced? I'm curious. I well, I, I think I, I I learned how it was actually pronounced a couple of years ago, but. Uh, like in high school, there was this kid who was like really into golfing and like he had a Titleist hat and I'm like, I don't know what the fuck that word is. Uh, <laughs> it's like tit, tit least. <laughs> you know, it's funny you say it that way. Cause that's the way I've always loved to pronounce it because there's a Beavis and Butthead episode where they, uh, are on a golf cart, golf course for some reason. And Beavis <laughs> keeps saying it that way. Titliest, titliest. <laughs> and so I always thought that was hilarious. Titliest. <laughs> i would love to see if car trunk especially a big land yacht trunk like kramer drives full of 600 golf balls that's a site i wish they would have shown us <laughs> oh my god uh so jerry before he goes to lunch amazingly does not have 1200 dollars cash on him he needs to go to the atm and i guess take out the max amount because that's how we know jerry rolls yeah I, I, uh, he, so he, he must he needs- only he must only have 800 dollars on him so he needs to he needs to get back up to that 1200 <laughs> Oh, that's probably right. Yeah, he probably did. He probably was still loaded, but he was like, oh, it feels a little light. I better go to the ATM and get 500 more. And uh, at the ATM, he's racing the woman who's using the ATM next to him. And uh, as he walks away, the woman calls to him. She recognizes Jerry from college. She says her name is Diane. And, um, you know, she's like, oh, wow, what have you been up to? I've seen you on TV and stuff like that. It looks like you're doing great. You know, and then she's like, what about George? You know, it, it always seemed like he was kind of, uh, you know, goofing off. And uh, she kind of disparages George, mm-hmm. but Jerry, who is, you know, most of the time, like he'll give it to George, but he'll also, um, you know, is a bro a lot of times. Like, oh, I'm yeah. thinking of the uh, Cigar Store Indian episode when he was telling that woman that they were antique uh, experts or something like that. Jerry didn't go, shut up, George, you're lame. You know, he was <laughs> like, he he just went with it. And like, and so, you know, she he won't have his friend disparaged by Diane. And so Jerry says that George is doing great. He's a marine biologist now. And Diane seems impressed. Yeah, Jerry, he said that George is working on lowering the cholesterol level in Wales. <laughs> Uh, you know yeah, what the blubber. You know what I thought would be a really good callback here that that never got brought up. Because uh, I mean, Diane well, obviously knows them from Queens College. She probably read like in the alumni magazine because she even says, "I never see George mentioned in those things." If Diane would have mentioned, <laughs> "Oh yeah, I watched that first episode of your show. Whatever happened to that?" And then Jerry just kind of like shrugs <laughs> it off. Yeah, that would be good. Uh, so over at Monks, George is excited that Jerry ran into Diane DeCon. We found out her last name. How did you? Uh, you might know how that spelled because you watched what the captions on. I spelled it. D-E-K-A-N. I'm like, I'm sure that's wrong. That uh, looks off. That does it, not look right. It, it is capital D-E-Capital-C-O-N-N. Interesting. Yeah. And also, huh. before before we, get to, before we get to Monks, I don't know if you caught uh, Jerry's quote here that George is saying, er, Jerry says, it's the largest mammal on Earth, but as George says, they don't have to be. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> that was funny. Um, and it, by the way, Dakon is one of two names that I constantly spelled a different way. Testikoff being the other one. I was like, I don't know. First of all, it sounds like testicle every oh, yeah. time they say it. I'm sure that's one of the reasons they named this guy that. Uh, that in my notes, I just always wrote Yuri. Uh, what, <laughs> yeah, yeah. What, why Y U R I? Yeah, that's the that's the way I, I got Yuri. But Testikoff definitely the first time I I spelled it with an F, and then I was like, oh, Russian. It's normal. It's probably a V at the end, and so yep. I started doing it with a V. <laughs> um, so Jerry tells George, you know, he's like, yeah, she asked about you, and George is like even more excited that Diane DeCon asked about him, and then. He's like, yeah, she asked for your number. And I love how George's demeanor changes immediately. He's like, angry. He's like, if you're kidding, I can't be friends with you anymore. <laughs> like dead serious. <laughs> and Jerry's like, I'm not kidding. Uh, yeah. And George is he's up on cloud nine. But Jerry's like, oh, but one thing. Uh, <laughs> she thinks you're a marine biologist. Oh, well, why would she think that I'm a marine biologist? <laughs> I may have told her that you were a marine biologist. Jesus. Yeah. One thing he says is, I may have mentioned it, <laughs> but I'm not. And George is like, but I'm not a marine biologist. Yes, I know that. <laughs> That's what Jerry says. Um, and and then Jerry's like, you know, what what am I supposed to say? Like, I, I you know, uh, and then he's like kind of upset that Jerry's told him this. But then cut to George at his parents' house talking to Diane on the phone and just like laying on the BS. Like, well, it, it starts with them going um, algae, plankton, obviously, just naming sea life, which is weird. <laughs> And then he's like, I actually just got back from the Galapagos Islands living with the turtles. <laughs> <laughs> Jesus. Oh, my yeah. God. And then we're in a limo with Yuri Testikoff. And <laughs> Lippman is there and Elaine. And they're both just sort of like fawning over Yuri, who is a dislikable human being immediately. Oh, my God. Yeah. Like, he's just just so ornery and grumpy. And I'm wondering if that's why Elaine likes him. You know, maybe she sees a little bit of her father in Yuri Testikoff. Hmm. She sees she sees a little bit of her father in the testy cough. <laughs> yeah, you know, like so. Lippman's asking, like, we got a nice hotel for you, but we can arrange for office space. And he's like, oh, I can write in the hotel. And I hate Lippman's delivery here. He's like so pandering and like ass kissy to Yuri Teskov. He's like, Tolstoy wrote in the Village Square. He said the faces inspired him. Ugh. Like, you're gonna tell. Like, not only is his delivery super cringy there, but also you're going to tell. Yuri Testigoff, who probably knows everything about Tolstoy, where Tolstoy used to write. I mean, like, Testigoff's next line is, oh, he didn't need inspiration. You know, he was just, just a genius or whatever. Um, but that'd be like me telling, you know, like, trying to get all inspirational about, like, a W, like, let's go back to Stone Cold. Uh, Ted, you know, Stone Cold Steve Austin, he had a verse that he used, <laughs> Austin 316. He, uh, he said it inspired his fans. And you'd be like, I fucking know. Like, why would you think I wouldn't know about Austin 316? You know? <laughs> yeah, and, th and then I would just come back and say, like, well, you know, it didn't actually inspire him. It was just for one match where he was facing <laughs> Jake the Snake, who was at the time a Bible freak. And he's, like, just going off on John 316 saying, Austin 316 says, I'm going to kick your ass. Yeah. yeah. Well, that that is, see, I did not know that. And, and it's oh, something that, okay. like, Yuri should have come back and told Lippman, who was trying to, like, you know, tell... Testigoff told story trivia that I'm no doubt he knew. <laughs> oh my <laughs> but, god! Uh, and but it gets uh, Elaine wants to play. You know she has her <laughs> own Tolstoy trivia that uh, Jerry just told her, and she's like, "Well, you know, one wonders if War and Peace would have been as critically acclaimed as it is if he had gone with the original title War. What is it good for?" <laughs> and everyone else in the limo is like, 
what are you talking about? <laughs> and Elaine just, you know, doubles down just like Jerry did. Like, no, it's true. Like, his mistress was the one who didn't like it and told him to change it. Uh, you know, from war, what is it good for? And then she sings along with the song, absolutely nothing. Huh. And she explains to Yuri, like, it's a song, you know, because it's obviously an American. Like, it's a song over here. You might not know. And, um, you know, that sets Yuri off. He's upset about that, like, BS fact. But then also, Elaine's electronic organizer starts beeping, and that just angers Yuri to no end. Uh, he's, like, just, like, ripping at his, his scalp because he's saying the beeping is, like, going into his brain. And he finds the electronic organizer, and he tosses it from the limo as it's going down the street <laughs> then cut to the beach and this is just a shot of kramer and he he takes a swing at a golf ball that is sitting in the sand and completely whips it uh, which is you know i mean like if you know one thing about golf it's that you don't want to land in a sand trap so the fact that kramer <laughs> thought this was going to be a good idea in the first place where we're now seeing is you know obviously completely wrong he's basically trying to uh, hit it from one trap to another trap yeah yeah so that's the only shot there in the uh jerry's apartment george is very upset with jerry that he's put him in the position to be a marine biologist because you know like and jerry is like well you lie about you know you pretty much lie about your life all the time and george is like that's when i make it up i know what i know and what i don't know i know when i can you know make a and jerry thought he was doing him a favor because he was so into whales uh, that day like you were talking about the whales. I figured you might have, you know, it would be something you'd be interested in. And George is like, why couldn't you tell her I was an architect? You know, I've always wanted to be an architect. Well, no, or, he, I think he, he says, you know, I've always wanted to pretend to be an architect. That, that's it. That's it. Not, not that I always yeah. wanted to be an architect. <laughs> He's like, I, you know, I always wanted to pretend that I was an architect. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then Kramer comes in. Oh, and George is like, I'm going to just come clean with her today. I'm going to tell her that I'm not a marine biologist. Uh, Kramer comes in in the meantime, and he drops his club and kicks him. And I love his. He's like, anybody want these? I don't. <laughs> I stink or something like that. Uh, you know, he's out on the beach all day, and he only hit one ball really far out. Uh, and then also he's like covered in sand, and he can't get the sand from like out of his shirt and his hair and stuff like that. So he's itchy and like getting sand all over Jerry's apartment out of his pocket and stuff like that. This is kind of a, a funny shot here. The phone rings. Jer George is sitting on the couch, and he, like, in one motion, one sweeping motion, he, like, picks it up and throws it over to Jerry, who catches it and puts it up to his ear. I thought that was kind of cool. Yeah, this was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> and it's the woman on the phone was hit by an electronic organizer flying out of a limo, and Jerry's number is the was in it. And so she just called it to see if she could track down the person who it belongs to. And Jerry meets up with her at Monk's, uh, cut to Monk's, and it's Carol Kane. Yeah, Lillian from Kimmy Schmidt, <laughs> doing yeah, almost yeah. the exact same character. <laughs> I think she's kind of done that her entire career. I mean, if you if you <laughs> hire Carol Kane, you're just gonna get you're gonna get Carol Kane. You know, <laughs> uh, I think she was in Taxi back in the day. She's just been in a, a ton of stuff. You know, just like a, a ubiquitous comic actress. Uh, and so after the electronic organizer hit her in the head, she had to go to the hospital. The, it, she describes a uh, cat's scan you know that she had to get put in the big machine she says like a coffin and it buzzed for like 45 minutes or something like that and she doesn't have any insurance to pay what is probably a huge hospital bill so she's trying to track down the owner and jerry's like well i want to know why my number is in the uh, the electronic organizer of a scumbag that would do something like that i mean who would i even know that would have been in a limo yes and then he's like oh <laughs> he remembers that elaine was in a limo yesterday and it just has that flash of recognition Back in Jerry's apartment, Elaine runs into Kramer again, and 
the, she had transferred all of her information into the, that electronic organizer and throughout her book, as she tells Kramer, um, you know, she's sort of like yelling at him for even just giving it to her in the first place when it was kind of busted. I mean, it was the free organizer that you get from the bank. You don't get anything. You don't think anything good is a promotional item, you know? No, absolutely not. Why, why would you throw out your old planner? Like even just yeah, even just like save it for a couple of weeks just to make sure yeah this thing is gonna work. But no, she threw it out immediately. Yeah, don't need this tiny book that takes up zero space anywhere I am. Might as well throw it out. Uh, and Jerry comes in and um, you know Elaine confronts him about his uh, made up Tolstoy fact war. What is it good for? <laughs> and Jerry's like, oh. Who told you? And she's like, Yuri Testikov. And Jerry's like, you told Testikov? He, he can't believe that, you know, that BS fact was recounted to Yuri Testikov. <laughs> and Elaine says something like, well, you wouldn't believe what happened or something like that. And Jerry's like, let me guess. He threw your electronic organizer out the window. And she's like, how did you know? And it's because Jerry met with the woman. And, you know, Elaine agrees that Testikov is the one that should pay because while it was her organizer, he's the one that threw it out the window. And Jerry's like, how much is he getting for that book from Pendant? One million dollars, Elaine says, Jesus. which is crazy. Yeah, that seems yeah, I know. very high. Uh, granted. Seems high for 94. G- granted, we have not yet been signed for a No Hugging, No Learning book deal. So I'm not, <laughs> I'm not entirely sure how much a typical book deal is, let alone one for, uh, I don't know, is Testikov supposed to be a very high profile Russian writer? It sure seems like it. I mean, Elaine was very excited to work with him, and we see um, one of his books in the hotel room later, and it's um, it's, it's very sizable. Uh, and I don't know. It seems like you know, with all the comparisons to Tolstoy, it seems like that's kind of he seems to be like the modern day Tolstoy, or at least in mm-hmm. critical circles, he is. Okay, well, I, I'm guessing that I don't know. Very very high profile writers probably get that much, so it, it does. Yeah, uh, it, it's probably accurate. Um, but then again, I have no, I, I have no idea how we would even fact check that. I, I, I can't just call yeah, up like yeah. Stephen King. I, I can't, I can't text James Patterson right now. Yeah, yeah. I don't, I, uh, maybe there's a way to find out. I don't know. We might be able to do some digging and find out what you know an author who was writing their second or third book in 1994 might expect from you know like <laughs> might get from a publishing company. I don't know. There might be a way maybe uh, to get that. Maybe. All yeah, right. Yeah. Like we'll, what we'll did try and take a look John at John Grisham get for writing the client, or what did actually the client? The movie probably was already out by '94, <laughs> but uh, yeah, something like that. Uh, and so Jerry, Jerry's like, that's a pretty good start, you know. So he's got he's got the money. Let's go. Let's see if we can get it from him. Uh, on a beach, George is walking with Diane, uh, and we're. I'm I'm guessing this is probably Rockaway Beach once again. I think it comes becomes pretty clear later on that that it is. Mm-hmm. And George is talking about how the octopus used to have a nose like a human, but it evolved away. And but if you look, <laughs> you can still see the little bump where the nose used to be, which is weird. Uh, uh, do you have any idea? Says, do you have yeah. any idea if this is real? Like, if this is just something that he's repeating from one of the nature shows? I, I think it's completely... I think everything after the whales was, was made up, like, I don't think so. I think just octopi have that little bump on their face, and George is, like, making this up about it. Because if I was to guess, I wouldn't guess that octopus... The octopus evolved from a land animal, a, an air-breathing land animal, <laughs> to a aquatic animal. You know what I mean? <laughs> If anything, it's going to be going the opposite direction. That's if anything, true. it's That's growing true. a nose. It's going to crawl <laughs> out in another million years. But that, you know, but I say that, but I don't think that you know, uh, land or water mammals 
like the whale. I, I don't know my evolutionary. This is where I'm out of my depth now. Uh, ocean joke. Um, ah, because I don't think that that's <laughs> I don't think that like say whales or dolphins evolved from land animals to air breathing, you know, water mammals. So <laughs> I, I don't know now. Now I now I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> but I think it's just kind of made up. But Diane's like, well, I don't know enough about it, and he's the marine biologist, so I'm not going to tell him <laughs> that's BS. Uh, cut to the the Dorian Hotel, which is not real, by the way, not a real Aww. hotel. It, it's a uh, it's a you know, a sign they added later to a business that I was unable to discern any other information. There's no address or anything. So no idea what the Dorian Hotel actually is or was. Uh, probably Planet Fitness now, if we were to guess. <laughs> um, <laughs> but Elaine and Jerry are in the lobby kind of like plotting uh, what they're going to do, you know, to, to get Testikoff to pay for this woman's hospital bill. And we get a spoken Superman reference here about how Jerry he says oh, he yeah, feels like, yeah. you know, now he feels like Superman. Yeah. And, and Elaine thinks she's like, why are you helping this woman? You want to take her out? And Jerry's like, why? You know, no one asked Superman when he helped people if he uh, ever wanted to date them or whatever. And she's like, well, you're no Superman. But and he comes back with you're no Lois Lane. But she never said she was going to be. She never said she was Lois Lane. <laughs> You're just always the one that pretends to be, you know, altruistic when it when it suits you. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so that's why Jerry got called out. But I mean, it's pretty obvious from what we've seen of Jerry, the people Jerry wants to date. He doesn't he is not interested in Carol Kane. Yeah. <laughs> but but the only reason Elaine is really wanting to help is because she wants the, her organizer back because she threw it out. And the only way that they're getting the organizer back is if they get the money for the hospital bill. Mm-hmm. And so what they've got is a tape recorder that in an earlier scene, I believe Jerry said he got from the bank. Maybe the same one that Kramer was uh, getting his stuff from, the electronic organizer from opening an account. Maybe he even went with Jerry. I like kind of writing that little backstory. <laughs> maybe, maybe. You know, and Kramer saw like, wait, I get something for free opening an account? Sure, I'll open an account. I want something free. <laughs> and uh, the woman comes in. Her name is Corinne. And uh, she's got the organizer. Uh, cut back to the beach uh, where George and Diane are still walking. There's a crowd gathering and uh, sort of like looking out into the ocean. We don't know what about yet. Back at the hotel... Uh, the hotel clerk, you know, Jerry and Elaine have gone up to Testikov's room and the clerk kicks out Corinne, not for smoking in the lobby, because I guess in 94, you could still do that. It's pretty crazy. Yeah. Yeah. This seems really weird. <laughs> but I guess the fact that she's just loitering and waiting for somebody is the reason he kicks her out. Right. I I, I would imagine so. I, maybe the smoke drew his attention. And then whenever he's talking to her, he realized, yeah, th- this woman's a nut. Yeah. Back at the beach. Uh, with Georgia, another quick cut back. There's a beached whale, and I love that. Like someone just yells from the crowd of about I don't know, ten or twenty people. <laughs> Is anyone here a marine biologist? <laughs> Which, by the way, had to have been Larry David. It sounded like Larry David, as long as we're talking about the, their go-to ADR guy. Oh, I, I didn't, I didn't even catch that. <laughs> I'm almost certain it was Larry David. Hopefully, we can confirm that in the next episode. But I love—it's not like going. Is anybody a doctor? It's—is anybody a marine biologist? <laughs> I have a feeling the odds are like very low. Very, very low. I, I would agree. Yeah, um, you could yell in like a movie theater or a lecture hall. Like, is anyone <laughs> like that size group of people? And no one's going to say yes. I'm a marine biologist. <laughs> Cut back to the hotel. We're now in Yuri Testikov's hotel room, and Elaine asks uh, Testikov about the organizer. You know, he's finishing up the latest manuscript to give to Elaine, I guess, to take mm-hmm. back Dependent or yeah. whatever. That's why did, she had to be there. Did you and hear? He's, he's grumpy as usual. Did you hear Jerry uh, complimenting his book? And he's like, oh, wow, yeah, Rimsky. This is really good. Almost read the whole thing. 
<laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, it looks really big. I mean, this is where I saw his book, and I'm like, geez, that's a giant book. Yeah, yeah. You know, Elaine is asking him about the organizer, like, oh, so you threw it out the window, right? And, and stuff like that for the tape recorder. But then the tape recorder started mal- starts malfunctioning, <laughs> and this sort of ties into the electronic organizer malfunctioning. They both came from the bank. They're both low-quality electronics. Oh, yeah. And uh, Testikoff, then, you know, he, he hears it. It's uh, Honestly, I couldn't even hear it until... I think until he throws it out the window and it's making a sound like it sort of sounds like that rewind fast forward sound when you're when you're doing that with the tape reader engaged. Oh, yeah, so it's yeah. like, you know, <laughs> I, I, uh, I can definitely hear he, it, but I, I was also watching uh, I, I was watching. I didn't have my headphones in for this bit, but I just had my volume up and was close to my laptop. Yeah. And so he throws the recorder tape recorder out the window and it hits Corinne, who was waiting outside <laughs> the hotel cut back to the apartment and Kramer is this is like outside the apartment I I loved how like Newman was just sort of walking along in a very funny like (laughs) 1940s movie style way (laughs) like like pumping his arms just to walk on the sidewalk he's like (laughs) yeah yeah like yeah he's like singing a a jaunty little tune like you would if you were like pretending to walk do, 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 do. Oh look! Look and at Kramer look at me! Emptying. I'm walking yeah. in the big city. Do 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 do. Yeah, do 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 do. Just walking along and singing a song. Yeah, <laughs> and Kramer is emptying a boot out the window uh, of sand and drops it on Newman's head. Which this doesn't really go anywhere. I don't no. know why this happened. I have no idea. What was what was the point of this? Yeah, this this it was kind of funny, but. But then again, not really. Like it would have been funnier if like they had actually dropped a boot on Wayne Knight's head. But it's the it's the camera shot of like just something hurtling towards a person, and then it cuts as it as it hits them. It never it never pays off. It's never set up. Nope. <laughs> it's neither. It's just completely a non sequitur right in the <laughs> middle of the episode. It just so happens that like somebody else just got hit in the head by something in the previous scene. It never you know it's just it's just completely unnecessary. It, it almost. Uh, it- plays on yeah Kramer's really sandy too much because I I think this is this might be like the third time that it's mentioned that Kramer has sand all over uh do you know uh, if it was mentioned before like other than like him coming in and like dropping his golf clubs because obviously that was the first time but I think there was a second time somewhere and then this would be the third yes when Elaine is knocks on his door to yell at him about the crappy organizer. That's right. That's he is right. still like itching from the sand, yeah. So if if we're going by rule of thirds in comedy, this should be the last time that it's brought up. <laughs> but it's not. Right, so, right. so you could definitely easily get rid of this and it would make the episode better. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Over at the beach, there's a crowd yelling at George to save the whale. You know, you got to get in there, save the whale. When once, because Diane has said like that, George is a marine biologist by this point. And then Diane's like, George, save the whale for me. <laughs> and George just starts walking into the water, <laughs> walking into the water. And back at Monks, now George is recounting very dramatically. Oh my the, God! Yeah, uh, the the. Like in his the best, whale, yeah, he's in his best like fisherman's tale, really. Yeah, 
very like Ernest Hemingway, like yes. just recounting what has gone on. Elaine runs in and she's like, oh my gosh, I saw it in the paper, George. And he's like, I was just uh, telling them. And so Kramer's <laughs> like, go on, go on. You know, like you're, you're telling them so dramatically. We got to hear it. And this is, uh, again, another greatest hits line from Seinfeld. The city was angry that day, my friends. Like, uh, <laughs> like an old man sending soup back at a deli. <laughs> 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 which is like Ernest Hemingway levels of bad metaphor. It's like he, he was being all dramatic, but then when your metaphors are that piss poor, it's like, and I'm not saying Ernest Hemingway had bad metaphors. It's quite the opposite. It's like, it's, he's the Ernest Hemingway of bad metaphors in this case. <laughs> oh my God. He was angry that day. My friend, this makes me think of just like how bad my metaphors are. Cause I'm shit at metaphors, <laughs> but that doesn't stop me from constantly making them. Oh no! Oh no! And and I'm I'm also I'll, I'll think of a good metaphor like five or six seconds after I need it. You know, <laughs> that's like that's like that's like uh, you know, an old man sending soup back in a deli or something like that. <laughs> I couldn't even think of a bad metaphor when I needed it. You know, anything would have done, but but it didn't work. I had to use George's bad metaphor. <laughs> but you know, so uh, he talks about coming up on the the giant beast and then a wave like puts him on top of the the whale's uh, head and he can tell he's having trouble breathing so he reaches into his blowhole and then george as he's talking retrieves from his jacket the obstruction a golf ball and then there's a very slow burn on kramer <laughs> who was at the very same beach hitting golf balls uh, and I mean, they they really sit on this for I think a, a great amount of time. Oh yeah, yeah. This was this was really well done. And Kramer even just says he's like, yeah. is, uh, is that a Titleist? And George, nobody says anything. <laughs> nobody says anything. But George just kind of like nods, and then Kramer's just like all nervous. And he's like, uh, hole in one, huh? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Hilarious. <laughs> yeah. I, and I love George's. George is almost like. He does give a bit of, a, of an affirmative. It's almost like, you think? It's like a, an unspoken, you think? Like, <laughs> of course it's a Titleist, you know? Is that a Titleist? <laughs> As if, you know, it might it might not have been Kramer's fault. You know, I think that might have been mm-hmm. e- either A, he wants the ball back, but also B, like, hey, that could be anybody's golf ball. Is it a Titleist, you know? <laughs> <laughs> then we do not get another stand-up bit. We get... One more shot of monks. So yeah. yet another like post credit sequence or during the credit sequence, uh, which have been very popular here in the second half of season five. And George, so he told Diane, you know, he used that moment like Diane like rushed out to him. They both have tears in their eyes, and he used that moment to tell her that she wasn't a marine biologist, that he was not a marine biologist. And Jerry's like, "What'd she say?" She said, "Go to hell." And I took the bus home. <laughs> which I I do not understand Diane's reaction here. George literally just saved a whale. Does it matter if he's a marine yeah. biologist or not? Plus, no. It, plus, it's no, not you like, stay with the he, and he's a hero. Yeah, it's not like George is the one who told her that he was a marine biologist either. So he didn't lie to her. I mean, okay, yes, yeah, he, no, he, he, he lied to her by not like coming clean immediately. But it's not like he's the one <laughs> yeah. who started the lie. No, no, he just went with it to you know try to get to know her, and then and then he. He came clean, you know, I can't believe just in that moment when adrenaline is running so high that she made a decision like that, you know, like just sit on it for a second. If you still don't like it later on, then but your your emotions are running so high. You got to, you know, give him the benefit of the doubt, at least for an hour or so, you know. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. And th- there was there was quite a bit that is- actually happened in this post credit scene because there's 
uh, what is revealed to be like Diane, like getting angry and telling George to go to hell. Uh, there's yeah. the the bookend again, the second bookend of Golden Boy's tragic saga, where Jerry got his laundry yep. back and Golden Boy didn't make it, so now he's wearing Golden Boy's son, Baby Blue. Yep. O- okay, sure. Um, and then also <laughs> as they're walking out. Kramer is trying to just like brush more sand off of him. Yeah, and George is too, because now that he was at the beach and in the water and all that stuff, he's like, you know, brushing more sand off of him, and he's like, God, the sand. And Kramer's like, Oh yeah. <laughs> uh, th- there was a-, a lot that happened in this like thirty second scene. Yeah, they they uh, they tied everything up as best they could. Oh man, uh, I I don't have anything else for for the episode proper. Do you? No, no, that's it. Okay. Uh, do we have any homework? Uh, I I do want to try and look up. Uh, if we can, if we can find a way to, I, I want to look up like how much a uh, a high profile author would get for a book deal in 1994, or, or at all, really. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, not about it. We can, yeah, we'll see what we both come up with there, and then. Um do we? I don't care about the octopus. I still might. Since I've mentioned it, I might reference something. But <laughs> octopus evolution might might uh, might do might look into that. Okay. Um. Uh. Do we want to come up with a better description? <laughs> Let's see. All right. So we had George poses as a marine biologist. Guest Carol Kane. Hmm. I would love to include something about Yuri in there, but do we? Do we need to? I mean, that's the other story. I don't know. George. I mean. Elaine works with a high-profile author. Nah, let's forget it. I, I think guest Carol Kane covers that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I let I, you know everything you're going to see. <laughs> I, I definitely, uh, even though like we get into the whole marine biologist thing like in the latter half of the episode, I don't mind this description. It, it's probably just because like nah. it's very short and it's sandwiched in between very bad episode descriptions in season five <laughs> yeah yeah it's it's a nice um it's a nice dessert after those two meals that we had to digest <laughs> and I'm, I'm probably foreshadowing the how i feel about the uh description for next week's episode too <laughs> with that being yeah said. well i mean don't forget we we had one of our most challenging episodes uh with the stall recently so yeah yeah you know, that's that was true. Uh, that was a, a difficult one as well um and then the the dinner party was just too long mm-hmm. you know they they basically include uh, but nothing goes the way they plan. Oh, <laughs> Whatever. God. Um, that'd be like this one saying, George pretends to be a marine biologist, even though he is not a marine biologist. You know, <laughs> it'd be like including that. Like, yes, we know. So, yeah, I, I don't hate it. I definitely don't hate it. Um, okay. Well, uh, I, now that I, I've kind of shown my hand, uh, next week we've got... Uh, season 5, episode 15, The Pie, original air date, February 17th, 1994. And if you're looking in TV Guide that night, you're going to see... Whew, all right, I'm going to try and do this all in one breath. Ready? <laughs> yeah. Jerry obsessively worries when he takes his date to a restaurant famous for their apple pie, and she refuses to eat a piece. Meanwhile, Elaine discovers that a mannequin resembling her has been showing up in quite a few window displays. <laughs> uh, I mean, it is long. You're right, but I mean, I'm not hearing much that I dislike about it right now, but maybe after seeing <laughs> the episode, there's some there's some stuff we can cut. <laughs> yeah, but it, it is, it's lengthy, but... That doesn't always mean bad. That's that doesn't true. always mean bad. I'm, That's I'm, true. I don't hate it right off the bat. <laughs> but again, we'll, we'll have to see if there's anything we can cut uh, in, in the next one. Maybe there's some of that we can shorten up. Just make two clauses into one or something. We'll see. We will see. Is that it? That's it. All right. For No Hugging, No Learning, I'm Tim Murphy. I'm Ted Hallwell. Be good. Be good.